welcome to the Biohacker's Guide for Women Only. You are listening to The Art of Becoming Wonder Woman. I am Jessica Fernandez-Cruz. And I am Yen B. Trung. Life extension, longevity, biotech, digital health technology, and prevention are all the fields of health that we've been working in for over 15 years. We've worked alongside world-renowned physicians, Nobel laureates, experts, and top biohackers. We were at the forefront of a lot of the science that is being used today for biohacking. Our mission is to bring to you all this knowledge and information and create a biohacking community for women. Join us today on our journey into biohacking our bodies. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome, Wonder Women. Here we are again, ready for another exciting Wonder Women conversation. How are you, Yemvi? Hey, Jessica. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you. So today we have a very special guest. We're going to talk about an exciting topic that you guys will think, oh my God, what is this? Well, we're going to talk about psychedelics. (laughs) And no, we're not trying to get you high. We want you to achieve that peak state, that best state you can be in. And you know, biohackers need to go a little bit towards that edge, towards that controversial conversation to figure out what can take us to the next level. So today we have with us Christina Liu. Christina, welcome. Thank you so much, Jessica, for that warm welcome. (laughs) So Christina is a certified mental fitness coach, and she's also the owner of a lodge and retreat center in the Amazon jungle in Peru, where she hosts holistic life transformation programs. And that's why she's here today. She's going to teach us a lot about psychedelics and how we can use them to improve our state and reach that peak state. Yemi, I'm going to let you do the questioning because you're the most curious one about this subject. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually very, very curious because I've never done it. And that's probably why I'm so curious. And you know, I, I've never done it because I, from a, a medical standpoint, I've always been fearful because I don't know where I would end up taking if you take a certain path unmonitored or for recreational purpose. And so that's why I had some questions on who should do it for, for whether it be spiritual awakening or for mental balance or or whatever it is that they're seeking, right? You know, you look at people like Alan Watts and Ram Das who basically converted their entire life because of an experience with LSD, right? And so uh, a conversation around the difference between a synthetic psychedelic versus something that's more natural based, um something that you're, you you do, uh, Christina, at your retreat. And so having those comparisons so that our Wonder Women have an understanding of what's out there and what could really give them that next step up if they wanted to choose this as an option to to have a, you know, a, a spiritual, whatever the endeavor really is, right? So very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> but before we start, let's go step by step because maybe people are hearing about psychedelics for the first time. And I would love, Christina, to give us a little introduction. You are a psychologist by training. And at some point, you get in touch with psychedelics. And how does that happen? And what tells you this is a path that I want to follow? Great. Yeah, thank you. Jessica and and Yenbi for that warm introduction and for the question. So for me, you know, psychedelics, I came in touch with it during the year that I was traveling around with a company called Remote Year. This is after I quit my corporate job. So I was actually, you know, a businesswoman by training. So I had my accounting degree as the first couple degrees, and then I had my MBA. And I worked in the corporate world for 14 years before I decided no, I'm going to embark on my coaching and psychology career. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going to do this remote year, travel around the world for a year, um, one city each month for 12 months, and while building up my coaching business. And it was during month seven when we were in Buenos Aires in Argentina that I heard about ayahuasca for the very first time and also about psychedelics for the first time. So I really didn't have an interest in psychedelics up until that point. This was about three years ago. And 
the way, and I'm so grateful how I got introduced to the substance because the way that, um, so I went to a workshop in in Buenos Aires and this coach that led the workshop, she kind of opened the workshop by saying, you know, I just came back from Peru. I did ayahuasca there and I got so enlightened and I created this workshop. And it was like a fearless for, for women workshop. So I, I think it's very fitting to talk about it here. And, you know, when I heard that, I got intrigued immediately because, you know, as a coach, as kind of a, a spiritual seeker, you know, always looking for contemplation, self-discovery, that to me was like, oh, I wonder what that is that made her so enlightened. You know, I'm always looking for that kind of thing. So, so that was the first time I heard about it. And then, so long story short, I later talked to her a little bit more about it because at that point, I, I think people, if you don't, if you've never experienced something, it's like, we don't know what we don't know. You, you have no, like you can hear these explanations of what it is, but you have no idea really what it is. But, but I just knew like deep down, there was that curiosity, that interest. And then in the following month, I was in um, Cordoba, Argentina, but I took a trip to Salta up in Argentina and met this fellow traveler who talked about combo. Now, this is another, well, it's an animal medicine that I do on my retreat. And she talked about it also in the terms of, you know, she did it once and then it was such a life-changing experience, you know, like her life changed for the better. And again, I'm like, oh, wow, that's really intriguing. And when I hear about, you know, people describing psychedelics or these substances like this, it kind of makes me think about coaching or, you know, any kind of personal development that we do, like Tony Robbins, you know, it's it's in that realm. I did not associate it in the wrong realm of, you know, people want to call it drugs, quote unquote drugs. And so that's what made me interested. So fast forward to the next month, uh, coincidentally, our group is going to Peru. And I knew that uh, ayahuasca and combo both come from the Amazons in Peru and also, you know, Brazil and basically the Amazon. So I said, well, I think the universe is pointing me in that direction. You know, like in these two months, two people are talking to me about this thing I've never heard about. And now I'm going to the origin of where this substance comes from. So I have to give it a try. So I went to the jungle, which is now where in the same house where I ended up buying this house to do my own retreats because I just got so connected to it. It was a seven day retreat. I did three ayahuasca sessions, three combo sessions, and then a San Pedro. So that's another psychedelic. Wow. All in the same week? All in the same week. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It it was, yeah, it was a lot. It was very intense. Wow. Tell us about that. So how did that, that was your first experience and you went all in. I went all in. Yeah. It was only later that I realized, you know, people describing what ayahuasca is, which is like the mother of all plants. It's probably the most potent thing you can take. And for me, it's like I had never done any other psychedelics and then jumped straight into that. And, you know, my first experience with my first ceremony with ayahuasca was actually, I would say, not so life changing. I had all these preconceived notions of what ayahuasca would be. Because, you know, before I went, I I did do my own research, you know, just reading about what exactly is it, you know, what are the risks, you know, are there dangers of, you know, death? So obviously that's the thing that we're afraid of the most. There are dangerous, you know, risks with taking anything. But I would say, you know, so if you look at, there's this score called lethal to effective dose for any kind of substance that you take. So, for example, alcohol is probably the one that we're most familiar with. And that ratio, so lethal to effective dose, so basically the lower the the score, the worse it is. So if you think about if you, let's say, drink one drink, you feel something, that's an effective dose. Then you drink 10 drinks, you could die from it, right? Whereas anything like ayahuasca, so DMT, that ratio is 50. So it's five times better than alcohol. You know, and alcohol is something that we drink, you know, like very common on a daily basis on people, you know. And the only other thing that's actually worse than alcohol is heroin. And that's five. So that is is quite bad. But if you look at any other psychedelics, for example, yeah, so I talk about DMT, which is the, the active compound in ayahuasca. So that's 50. Mescaline 
which is the active compound in San Pedro, is about 25. And if you talk about like marijuana or cannabis or even uh, psilocybin, which is what the active compound in mushrooms, that's about a thousand. They say a thousand just because there's really no, they haven't found a dose where people can be killed physically from that substance. So, so yeah, so yeah, sure, there are risks. I would say the, the risks of ayahuasca is not so much about physical dangers, it's more about the psychological space or emotional space it could take you to, because it is a, a, a substance that can alter your consciousness. And so there are certain people that are at a much higher risk of taking the substance than others. So I would say anyone who has a history or tendency of psychosis or schizophrenia is absolutely not recommended to take ayahuasca or any of these psychedelics. I was in a, um, a clubhouse conference on psychedelics. And the, one of the questions I had was, what if the person has a family history of schizophrenia? right? And they're di not diagnosed with it, but they have a family history. Would that bring about uh, or, or activate a, a change within in their psychosis at all? Or I don't know if I can really answer that question. I know the, the psychiatrist didn't have an answer for that either. <laughs> they said, you know, it's, it, you, you just don't know, but that would probably be a reservation to not do something like that. If you have already a family history in it. And so I was just out of more curious about it because you know with with so many individuals they do carry certain types of family history of mental disorder or psychology psychological disorders in their family history and so these are types of things to be cognitive of and you know ask a lot of questions before they venture into it i would say the most important thing is still the individual but illnesses like schizophrenia usually comes about during kind of the, their 20s and 30s so, you know, if you're older than that or you haven't experienced that, even if you have a family history, the chances of you, you know, having a psychotic breakdown is probably not as high. But, of course, there is a risk. And there's a risk with anyone, even if you don't have any kind of these illnesses. Is there a risk? Yeah, there might be, you know, a 0.001% chance. Just like, you know, I don't like to look at anything as absolute. It's just probabilities. You know, even in my own experience, my so my first retreat in the jungle, I did three ceremonies. And I would say I didn't really get to any kind of such an altered consciousness state that I really felt like there was any slash quote unquote danger or risk with ayahuasca. However, then after my first retreat, I was because I was so, you know, felt like it was such a profound shift, I then went to the jungle again to the same place and I took a group of people with me and so I was basically kind of the leader I did a little workshop it's basically kind of what my retreat looks like now and I used I worked with two guys that I worked with basically who are experts in you know ayahuasca and, and these medicines and that fourth experience was I actually felt like I was in psychosis I thought I was going crazy while I was in the ayahuasca, you know, while I was drinking it. So, so the ayahuasca usually it, um, it's effective for about four hours. So, you know, you do it in a ceremonial setting, there's a shaman and in Peru, you know, it will be a traditional Amazonian shaman. They have different traditions. So the one that I had experience with is Shipibo and yeah, so basically during during the first kind of I would say 20, 30 minutes, although time kind of you know it gets shifted when you're under the influence of these psychedelics. But I felt like I was intense suffering. It was like the kind of suffering I could not describe. But once I got over that, I was in this like euphoric state and I was just like laughing and I wanted to talk, which is later I found out it's not really that normal because most people kind of it's supposed to be more of an internal experience. But for me, I don't know what it was. I was just in such a euphoric state and I just wanted to express everything. And even while I was in that, I'm like, wow, am I going crazy? Like, this is not normal. <laughs> so, so that was the most intense experience that I had. And that, and I had so much learning afterwards. Tell us about that. So once you, the ayahuasca, first, I have no idea. So I'm really like a newbie to this 100%. You drink it, right? 
And then you wait for it to do something to you, like it takes 20 minutes or how long? And then... Yeah, it takes about 45 minutes to an hour. And um, just about the brew. So it's actually a combination of two plants. And both of them come from the Amazons. So ayahuasca is indigenous usually to Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, and Brazil. Those are kind of the countries because that's where the Amazon runs. And so it's a combination of the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna leaf. And so the interesting thing is the DMT, which is the active compound in the ayahuasca drink, it actually comes from the chacruna leaf. It doesn't come from the ayahuasca vine. However, if you only brew the chacruna leaf and you drink it, the DMT doesn't get activated. So you, you're actually not going to feel anything. It'll just be like a regular tea. Right, like a mate uh, in Argentina yeah, or something right, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when you put the ayahuasca vine in there, there's some compounds that activates this DMT in the chacruna leaf. And so then when you drink it, it you have this uh, DMT effect along with other substances. So that's why, you know, you can compare drinking ayahuasca to, let's say, smoking the pure DMT. But I, I think, you know, a lot of, I haven't smoked the DMT. I think I'm guessing probably a lot of the experience would be similar. But however, the ayahuasca would have other substances that is more of a cleansing effect, both for this mind as well as for the body. So traditionally in the Amazon, it's Ayahuasca has been used for thousands of years for, for treatments, for, for healing, for both mental as well as physical illness. Right. So I'm curious about the part where you do the whole, I guess it's a couple of hours with the ayahuasca process. When do you get the information? You know, do you work with a coach or is it with the shaman himself or how does that work? So I'll just describe the, the traditional kind of Amazonian process because I haven't done it anywhere else outside of Peru. So basically you sit in kind of on a mat, you sit traditionally in a maloca. So now my retreat center, that was the first thing that I built. And it's this round place. It's almost like you can imagine like a yoga center, but you can really do it anywhere. And the shaman is usually in the front or in the middle So he, in the beginning of the ceremony, he would pour a little, a little cup of ayahuasca in this brew and you would drink it. You, well, first you put your intention into the brew. Basically, you have an intention, like whether it's a question or something that you want to get out of this experience. So you put that intention into the cup and then you drink it. And then you go back to your seat or your mat, and you basically sit there for about 45 minutes. The first 45 minutes or so, you really don't feel anything. And the first time I drank it, the thing that came to my mind as I was drinking it was it was Chinese medicine. That was the only other familiar thing. That I, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, Chinese traditional Chinese medicine is like very bitter. You know, there's even a saying in Chinese, which means like medicine is only good if it's bitter to your mouth. And so when I drank that, I was like, wow, this yeah, this tastes like Chinese medicine. But, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense because it's just a bunch of herbs mixed together. And yeah, so you go back to your seat and you, you wait for, you know, the medicine to take effect. And then once the, the brew starts taking effect, the shaman will start singing. And in Peru, it's called Icaros. So it's like these um, songs that comes to them during their training with ayahuasca and with other plants. So then they start singing and you start experiencing things. And so this is the, the preconceived notions that I have, you know, before I went to drink ayahuasca, which is people saying, oh, you're going to see visions. You might see your past. You might see your future. And it sounded like almost like this mystical and like miraculous kind of a, a thing. And so I had expectations of these experiences, but the first time I drank it, I actually didn't experience any of that. Actually, the first three times, I really didn't see a lot of vision. I didn't really see my past. I didn't see my future. But what I did experience was a lot of fear, a lot of fear, paranoia, also like body sensations of being really cold. And so, you know, later I found out these are all kind of, um, these could be, sensations you can experience from drinking ayahuasca 
But at the same time, you know, the visions, they're also real, you know, because in my subsequent sessions, I have seen visions, you know, and you could, you know, there are some people. And so purging is another very common thing from drinking ayahuasca. So purging, meaning any kind of purging, whether it's vomiting, going to the bathroom, it could even be sweating. So any form of releasing something in your body that uh, it's usually things that your body doesn't need or doesn't, it's not good for your body. So one of the things that you may hear is yeah, the vomiting from, from ayahuasca. And I would, you know, I haven't really vomited that much. Like for me, for some reason, I don't see a lot of vision. I don't do a lot of purging. For me, it's more of a feeling like fear, you know, paranoia, which, you know, after my second ceremony, I actually kind of went to the shaman. Like, I don't know if I really need this thing. <laughs> like, you know, what, why do I need to take something to make me feel all my fears in my life, like even more magnified? And then, you know, the shaman said something to me, which was like, uh, it was probably one of the, the best things, which is, well, I think you're, you know, instead of expecting something from ayahuasca, I think maybe you need to put in your own work, you know, do your part to get what you want out of it. Ooh, sounds so difficult. <laughs> the the fear actually is something that I've heard from other people who have done it as well, where they've been challenged with their biggest fear in life. And so their thing is that during these experiences, they're challenged with these fears that it's like the biggest fear that they've ever had. And they had to overcome the fear, right? And so it would be a fear or a, a representation of a death of a loved one or somebody, right? Or some type of representation that they have, they go through this experience of fear, sadness. And after that, they pass through because they already went through that and they have no more fear because they already, they already went through the experience, right? And so that I can see that being so powerful that you've had all this fear held inside and you've been living day to day with this fear and you're forced to go through that experience in this four hour period. And so now you've okay, you have nothing to fear because you went through it already in your own head. Instead of going through that fear every single day in your own head, you're like forced to do it in a compound exponential level almost. And that's, that's just a lot of the experiences that I've heard from a couple of people that I've spoken to about ayahuasca. Absolutely. And you, you've got it spot on. And, and later, you know, after I had this discussion with the shaman in my third ceremony, you know, I still felt all those sensations of fear, paranoia, you know, cold, but then I was more conscious. I said, okay, I'm going to talk with ayahuasca. You know, that's something that you're also told to do. Like during the session, like ask from the ayahuasca what you want to see, what you want to experience. And so, you know, I started doing this. I'm like, I started putting more faith into it rather than, you know, kind of rejecting it or saying, oh, this is not a good experience. I don't want to experience it. And it was actually kind of amazing how like almost halfway through the experience, I started feeling this shift. Like things got better. I was no longer cold and I was like not even afraid anymore. And I started seeing some vision. It wasn't like, you know, these profound visions, but it was like I was starting to see some or having this feeling that everything's going to be okay. Because at that time, my biggest fear, this is me still like pretty early into my coaching career. You know, I was traveling and I was, uh, I was single so my biggest fears were my business is going to be a flop. I'm never going to, it's never going to work out. And the other is I'm never going to find someone. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. And by the end of this third ceremony, what ayahuasca showed me was everything is going to be okay. You just need to let go. You know, you have what it, it takes inside you to, to make all of this work. You know, you're going to find someone, your business is going to be fine. And, what also came up for me is, yeah, maybe it won't happen tomorrow. It might not, you know, happen at your own timeline, like what you expect things to happen, but it will happen. It will be fine. That's why I felt like the experience was so profound. And for me, it didn't come until the third ceremony. And actually, even more so, the day after the third ceremony, which was, you know, like my truth old self was kind of, I didn't know how to be. I always had to do something, you know, I always had to have goals to strive for. And I thought, oh, I did my three ceremonies. You know, I don't know what else is there to do. I, I think I should just leave. 
<laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't because the day after the ayahuasca ceremony, I was just, I was allowed to just be and to, to integrate this experience. So this is a word you'll hear a lot in the ayahuasca world is the integration. And I would say the integration of the experience is probably just as important as the ceremony itself, if not more important. Because you can experience all these things in these you know, three to four hours, but if you don't process what it means and, and do something with it, you're probably not going to experience that life-changing shift that you're looking for. And then, so that's the other reason that I started this retreat is because I want to help people to have this integration of the experience. Because in my own experience, you know, being there, yes, I had some guides, but they were not, you know, trained coaches or psychologists. Yes, they were familiar with the plant medicine, which is amazing, you know, that, that you need people like that. But I think at the same time, you also need people who are more familiar with kind of the psychological aspect of how these psychedelics change your mind and how you can use the information that you get from these few hours to really serve your life and really make a shift for the better. That's pretty amazing for because the, the type of people that seek these experiences with ayahuasca, right? They go to a retreat or they go... Because there are some areas in the states, I don't know how they're compared to. Obviously, the Amazon is a different story. It's it's organic and it's real, right? The way I look at it is, it's almost like a rehab for something. There there's something in their life that they're experiencing that they're they're trying to understand or have an awaken from, or step away from, or whether it be a negative experience or tra- tragic experience that they're trying to be normal again. And so, it's if you think about it in, in terms of rehab. People who, who have to go to rehabilitation for, let's say, drug abuse or, or or whatnot, you can't just, after they go through that process, they can't be thrown back into the world, right? There's an integration back into the world to understand how to process the world with this new experience that they have, this new awakened understanding, opening, you know, with their looking at the world differently. How do I now live in this world now? And that's where the coaching and what you add to it becomes so valuable. And you just explaining that to me just makes so much sense, right? To have that, that second step where, okay, you've gone through the experience, you were in the Amazon in a retreat, and then some people just go home and they're like, whoa, I had this experience, but then they talk about it, but how do you live it next and be a part, you know, have it as part of daily living. So that's that's really I think that is a, a difference, um, a big difference in in your retreat versus any other any of these some of these places, right? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for pointing that out. And that's you know I almost see these retreats or doing psychedelics as a form of personal development. Actually, I see it exactly as that. You know, and and I kind of compare it to let's say you go to a, a retreat or training or seminar, even let's say Tony Robbins. You know, you could have that life-changing experience during those four to six days, right? But then most of the time what we do is we go back home, we go back into our lives, and a lot of the learning and how you feel about being so pumped up and changing your life gets lost if you don't have someone that, uh, you know, can help you through implementing some of these learnings. So so that's kind of the intention for my retreat. So it's uh, there's a a bit of preparation beforehand, you know, telling you exactly what to expect. And then you go through the seven day retreat, you experience these plant medicines, as well as, you know, being in the jungle and also doing some yoga meditation, healthy eating and all of that. And then after you leave, you know, we also have another few months of kind of group coaching as well as one-on-one to help you process this experience and also implement it into your life. This is the retreat we're doing, Jessica. <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to convince me because I must say, you know, I, I love this idea. I still, I'm still a little fearful to do it. I mean, it is something that when I hear it, I'm like, yeah, and uh, I'm not sure I want to do that. You know, there's this this contradiction in my mind right now about it. Well, tell me what your fears are, Jessica, because I think it might help a lot of the listeners as well, because I think whatever fears you have is probably very common. Yeah, that's why I want to share, because I feel like for me, 
I've for so long, I've associated this with drugs and drugs being something you become addicted to. And I hear you like you're talking about your second, your third retreat. And then I'm like, okay, I've, I've been a smoker. This is totally irrelevant, but it's relevant in this case. I quit smoking. And for me, I am aware of what it is to be hooked to something, to want to leave it and, and feel that frustration of not being able to do so. Right. So for me, anything that's drug related is immediately something like, no, you can get hooked to that. You don't want that. <laughs> so I have friends who do ayahuasca retreats that have nothing to do with what you do. They do them in California. And it's like every weekend they're doing an ayahuasca retreat. And I'm like, do you actually do ayahuasca's retreat every weekend? Does th is that actually okay? I don't know about this enough to judge it at all, but it's like this thing that I'm reluctant to open and then create a problem where I didn't have a problem. You see? I totally hear you. Yeah, yeah. Any, any other fears? And then I can That's off. really the one that I would say, I mean, then maybe just to think of what somebody could, be, I, I mean, I'm not the scared to put myself in that situation. I, I actually would love the challenge of that, but I can see people being scared of being scared. <laughs> And then not being able to manage, right? To be like, oh my God, I'm going to go crazy and this is going to feel like hell and I don't want to do that, right? Like that, maybe you can you can explain a little more about that. So, you know, the second fear, I would say it's absolutely real. You definitely could have an experience where you're feeling like I can't handle this. Why the heck did I get myself into this? Because I personally experienced that. So that fourth ceremony that I had, you know, during it, I was, there was a part of me that I was like euphoric and I was so happy and it was like amazing. But what happened was the guide kept coming to me and said, Christina, you need to be quiet. You know, there are other people around because I was being so loud. <laughs> and during it, I was, because I was on the substance, I kind of didn't really care and I couldn't really control it. I, I just right. kept saying, I started speaking Spanish, even though I don't really speak it. <laughs> And I was like, you know, I really oh, want I to. Oh, I wonder what language I would speak. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's that a good true. one. <laughs> then nobody understands me, you know, then I'm there talking to myself. You'll pick up an, an eighth language. Amazonian <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so language. <laughs> yeah, probably. There I'd be. <laughs> it's very possible. And I also started singing, like how the shamans would sing. And I was like, where did this voice even come from? I had no idea. But so like a lot of like just very weird things happened during those couple hours. But it was after I woke up from it, that was where the learning really happened. Because the fact that the, the, the guy kept coming to me, asking me to be quiet. And then later, oh, at the end, she gave me a, a glass of lemonade to drink. And I remember, you know, she's saying, well, the shaman might give people a, a glass of lemonade at the end if he feels like, you know, they're going a little bit too deep into it. They're getting a little too crazy, or at least that's how I perceived it. And so when I saw that glass of lemonade, it was no longer just a glass of lemonade. It, that thing represented everything that I probably fear the most. Like you screwed up, you know, you are, you embarrass yourself. You, you've put everyone else you know, like you gave everyone else a bad experience. So it's basically like that thing that, oh, you're a bad girl. You did something so bad. Shame on you. So it was like all this shame, embarrassment, like all of the, these things came up for me. And, you know, and then every, and then she also gave a glass of lemonade to drink to this other guy that was at the retreat because he was also getting a little bit because he was like jumping around. He was like, later he said he, he thought he became a jaguar and he even <laughs> bit the, the, the guide. So, I mean, so definitely he got a little bit out of control as well. But when he took the lemonade, he was like, okay, let me just drink it. Like there was not, no resistance. Whereas for me, like I didn't even want to drink that. As if, like, if I didn't drink it, it would mean that I wasn't so bad. You know, but eventually I drank it. And basically for the next 18 hours, I was kind of in my shell of just, like, living through the worst shame, probably, that I have ever experienced in my life. And, and I actually, and my body was doing the same. It was, I thought, I was going to die. I mean, literally, that's how bad I felt. I had no energy. I couldn't get out of bed. And I was actually leaving this retreat. So you can imagine I was feeling just, oh, my gosh, what have I done? 
And I thought all the participants had such a terrible experience. I thought all of them wanted to leave because of me. And later I realized this is the biggest learning. It's like, oh, wow, this is all stories I've made up in my head. Because later when I had more energy, I went to the dinner table and I couldn't even look them in the eye. I was just so embarrassed. And I thought, you know, I started talking with them and they were like, oh, yeah, we had the best experience last night. You know, each one of them started talking about their experience, how they got everything they were looking for out of the experience. And I was like, oh, really? Wait, so you mean like by me being loud, it didn't actually impact your experience? (laughs) And then one of the participants actually said, Christina, don't you remember last night after the ceremony, I said, thank you so much for all the work that you do. This is such important work. This is amazing. I'm like, yeah, I remember, but I thought you were just being nice because, you know, you needed to comfort me because I I was like doing so badly. But so that was probably the biggest learning of my life is like getting rid, not getting rid of completely, but making a huge step into this perfectionism that I was holding on to because this need of always being proper, doing the quote unquote right thing and thinking that I can only serve people if I was doing the right thing and being perfect. Whereas here I'm being shown example, oh, I can be so imperfect, but yet I can serve people. Now that's an experience. That's an awakening right there. That's a breakthrough. Absolutely. And I don't know if I would have gotten this kind of a learning without this kind of a kick in the ass experience. And when I, and that's why when I say, you know, yeah, if you're afraid you're going to get into, you know, a really challenging experience. Yes, you might, you know, I did. But also I believe, you know, I used to not really, when my guides say, you know, the ayahuasca has a spirit, you know, the ayahuasca will show you what you need to see. Like, I don't know if I really believe that. I mean, hey, it's just a plant. How can it have, you know, all this intelligence or, you know, this knowledge. But after that experience, I believe it because I'm like, okay, ayahuasca gave me just enough that I could handle. I mean, I didn't die from it. But like more than what I was comfortable to handle so that I got the learning that I needed. And, and I had a couple more pretty profound experiences after this, but, but this was probably the most profound and more, most uh, life-changing. That's amazing. That's amazing, Christina. Like you express it like that. And then I'm like, yeah, that actually sounds worth it. But I'm still curious about the addiction part, though. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. Let me address that. Okay, so when it comes to addiction, so there's one book, if anyone is interested in psychedelics or any this field, there's a book called How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. And he's normally a food writer. He's a seven-time New York Times bestselling author uh, writing about food, but then his latest book is um, about psychedelics. And it's amazing what it's, you know, it's just goes through kind of the history of psychedelics, also his own experience doing psychedelics. And it talks about kind of this area of like, can you be addicted? And there's also a lot of podcasts that talks about it. So I'm not an expert on this field, but based on what I have read is psychedelics are almost anti-addictive because there is a study that showed uh, so rats, of course, you know, we're not rats. So, we, you know, We can't, you know, do a one-to-one comparison, but I think we can get some insights, which is, you know, when rats are given food versus cocaine, they'll hit the cocaine every single time until they die. Whereas when they're given between food and uh, I think they gave them either LSD or mushrooms, one of those things, which is a psychedelic, the rat hit that, I think it's psilocybin or LSD once and never went back to it. And just kept going back to the food. And I look at my own experience with ayahuasca or San Pedro. You know, with ayahuasca, actually, every time I take it, I fear it. I don't go in to say, oh, my gosh, let me have some more ayahuasca. Right. Because, <laughs> like, to me, because it's work. It's, it's like tiring. It's, yeah, it's, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to expect. You know, like... And so the first, probably five, first like eight times, I feared it every single time. After that, I feel like, okay, I feel like I have a good handle now. I don't think I'm going to die. 
you know, even the fear of death, it was real, like the first few times. And so like only after those few times did I say, okay, I'm probably not going to die. Let me just like experience it, see what else I can get. So, so the more times I've taken it, the more visions I'm starting to see. And I've actually seen a shaman to, you know, try to figure out why I didn't see a lot of visions in the beginning. And uh, he said there was something about, you know, how internally I wasn't connected enough with spirit. So it, it was blocking me to see the visions, which I can see as being, you know, probably is true because I've always been quite heady. You know, I said, you know, I've been, you know, in business, always like very goal oriented, kind of very kind of structured. Yevi, Yevi goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so connecting with my spirit with like kind of the more creative side, the more messy side, that's not me. The, the uncontrolling side, the uncontrolling side, right? Yeah, and so yeah. I think that's another reason that ayahuasca put me in that state, that where I was just completely out of control because I think there was so much that I was like trying to control inside that ayahuasca was like, all right, I'm going to give you this out of control experience and you're going to deal with it and you're going to learn from it. I love it. Wow. Woo. <laughs> yes, yeah, so were you were you afraid that you would be addicted to ayahuasca or afraid that it would bring you back to cigarettes? <laughs> no. Please don't bring me back to cigarettes. No. I don't know really. I mean, I was I'm more like I don't know what what other drugs can do. I've never tried other drugs at all. So, and for this reason specifically, I mean, obviously I drink alcohol and I'm not addicted to alcohol. So probably that's a sign that I could use to say, hey, it's not with everything. Don't worry. But that was really it. Now that you express it that way and understanding that actually taking ayahuasca is not like drinking champagne. It really is something else. <laughs> there's There's a lot of work that goes with it that is beautiful work. I mean, we're saying we're probably using heavy words with it, but I also feel that we need to bring in some lighter words in the sense that this is very healing, very relieving, very cleansing. There's so much in the story that you tell that is just like, I, I just, it's like you press a button and you start seeing things that like a mirror comes to you. This is like, when I hear your stories, like my mirror is right there in front of me. Can I see it? And I'll see things and I'll be like, what the hell is in that mirror? until I start processing and saying, okay, this is me. This is exactly me and know exactly what's going on. So I feel like it's a very powerful source for healing and for transformation. I wonder, in my case, the other question I have here is, I feel I've done so much work on myself that I really feel like a very happy person. I mean, obviously I'll have fear still and things that, but Thinking of where I was three, four years ago, where I really had many fears and, you know, I lived controlling everything. Like, I feel like that is not me anymore. I wonder what would come up. <laughs> I'm just curious. And that's what my curiosity is, right? It's it's the, what's going to happen? I, I just want to know. <laughs> it's more about, you know, I just want to do it so I can know. I'm sure I'll have some type of experience. I don't know what that experience is going to be, but if it makes me a better person, and that's the whole point of us having this this conversation around psychedelic is is you just don't know until you you go into it openly, right? And it's kind of like like the conversation I had about the Tony Robbins that I, you know, I brought my husband to a Tony Robbins event, and that I got more out of that event you know, going in because I had gone to another event before. I was like, oh, I got this, you know, and then going <laughs> in, I, <laughs> I know what Tony Robbins is all about. And then I went to another, a different event and I was like, oh my gosh, my mind was blown. Right. And I got so much out of it, even though I went in with all these preconceived notions and expectations, but I got more out of it. And so that's from there then on, I realized no, I'm just going to experience it and be open to the experience. And that's why I'm excited because it's a different experience that I just don't know where it's going to take me next. And I can only imagine it's going to take me, let me see something that without it, I can't get by it myself. Yeah. So, you know, the way I see psychedelics or at least ayahuasca and San Pedro is I don't think it's a panacea. You know, some people might think, oh, I have these problems, let me drink this and everything will be solved. It's not like that at all. I see it as a self-development modality, just like, you know, going to Tony Robbins or getting coaching or doing meditation even. 
you know, like I went to a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat and I also got amazing things out of it. And I actually know people who are experienced meditators and they've, so in the book, How to Change Your Mind, they've done, you know, studies of experienced meditators and people who are on psychedelics and their brain waves look very similar. So it's basically what the psychedelics will do is it will, it will weaken this part of your brain called default mode network, which is basically the part of your brain that thinks about yourself a lot. So it's, it's a part of your brain that like wanders that and often we feel unhappy because that part is very active. So I, I'm also a mental fitness coach, you know, so I talk about, you know, stage and saboteur. So basically I see it as when that part is very active, the default mode network is active, you are more in your saboteur. Whereas when you drink these psychedelics or take these psychedelics, it weakens that part of the brain, the default mode network, weakens your saboteur, and it kind of strengthens your stage, which is kind of the true part of you. And that's why people describe their experience as like the oneness experience as, um, you know, sometimes it's pure joy or, you know, you lose your ego, you know, like that ego dissolution is like a very common description of these psychedelics. And, and that's why, even though you can experience this oneness experience and no ego, but at the same time, it can be quite, quite, a, quite fearful because if you think about it, like we, a lot of times we associate who we are with our ego. And now if your ego is dead, you know, that's really scary. So, you know, like when I think about my ayahuasca experience, it might be a combination of that. It could be even just um, kind of highlighting to me what I need to see, like for the saboteurs to be really strong so that I have an opportunity for the sage to come in and then kind of tune it down. And then whereas for my San Pedro experience is very different. It's like another mode of activation because it's mescaline so it's very different from dmt and for me san pedro just brings me to that pure oneness experience like truly puts me into my sage like i'm just having have so much love and empathy and gratitude and i like that one that's the one yeah. that i'm gonna do <laughs> no, <laughs> i pick san pedro you do ayahuasca yenvi <laughs> i'm gonna do it all mix it in a patch and i'll take it all <laughs> Yeah, so I, you know, my first probably three experiences with San Pedro was amazing. It was like, you know, full of love. And, and I didn't experience a lot of physical difficulties either, even though some people describe they might like vomit, but I didn't. Although the last time that I did San Pedro, I did have that experience. So that's another thing I learned is with these psychedelics, especially if they're natural you know, because there are so many compounds in there. Yes, you can say ayahuasca, DMT is the major compound, but there are so many other things. San Pedro, you know, mescaline, yes, but then there's other things. And so every time you take it, you could have a different experience. And so, you know, people say, oh, I'm, I just want to try ayahuasca. You know, if you have it once, yes, that's, that's an experience. But if you have it again, twice, three times, you know, I know some people who have done it hundreds of times, each time you'll experience something differently. It's almost like, maybe reading the same book, but getting something different out of it every time, or even depending on when you're reading, you know, what kind of state of mind you're in, what kind of life circumstances you're in. This is amazing. Christina, thank you so much. Guys, we're going to have to go. Yemvi, any last questions for Christina or anything you want to share before we go? <laughs> well, I really want to keep on talking, but <laughs> it's really, this is really interesting. I know Christina has to go too. No, I, I think the audience got a, a taste of, you know, what ayahuasca is. Where can they find more information about your retreat and to learn more about ayahuasca or, or how they can go about having this experience with you? Yeah, so I have a website. It's called selvavidalodge.com. So selva is the word for jungle in Spanish and vida is life in Spanish and uh, yeah, Lodge, that's that's uh, where I am. And yeah, so there's a, a page called Programs or Retreat on there that tells you about my retreat. And there's also some information about Ayahuasca, San Pedro, and Congo, which are the three plant medicines that I do on my retreat. And then I also have some workshops, you know, kind of doing a lot of self-discovery because that's the other thing I believe is you need to 
come to this experience being a little bit prepared. So like both of you will be perfect because you've done so much Tony Robbins, so much like work on yourself. So I feel like it's great for people who have done some of that work and then to come into a plant medicine experience. Whereas if you've never done any kind of introspection and then you boom, give you this like big thing to take. Yeah. You probably still will get something out of it, but I feel like you might not get as much out of that. So that's why I, also, I do a little bit of workshop, get people to understand themselves a little bit more. And then the jungle tours is also amazing because then you get to see the Amazon jungle in Peru and you get to see where ayahuasca is grown. So I also grow some ayahuasca on my land as well. And then we, we eat all healthy food. And, and then we have some follow-up coaching calls. And uh, so both groups and individual. Yeah, so salvavidalodge.com is where you can find more info. I love it. SalvaVidaLodge.com. Yemvi and I are cracking up because I can see that the day we go to that lodge, Yemvi is not coming back. She's buying part of that land and staying there. <laughs> I want to take a cutting of the ayahuasca plant in my backyard. <laughs> you can try. I See, the reason I think ayahuasca grows so much in the Amazon is because of the, the, the soil, the, the natural condition. So Although I think anywhere that's tropical, you could probably grow ayahuasca. Because when I went to Hawaii, I actually saw some ayahuasca vine there. Is that legal, actually? Well, that's for another yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think it's planted. I think it was just grown naturally. So, I mean, it's a plant, so you can't really stop that. But, yeah, I think in the U.S., you can't really cultivate. I'm sure that there'll be some rules there. <laughs> Guys, this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Christina, for your time. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure Yemvi, who knew already a lot, is now super inspired and ready I to can't go. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to do it too. I think I'm going to start with San Pedro, and then you give me the ayahuasca. I need to go little by little. <laughs> You're going to do it all in one week. Yeah, one day. Day. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Well, guys, thank you so much. Christina, have a wonderful day. And Yemvi, I'll see you soon. And thank you so much, Jessica and Yemi, for giving me this opportunity to talk about ayahuasca, San Pedro, and the, because I, I truly, yeah, as you can tell, I, I love these medicines. I think they're profound, and I would love to share it with anyone who is ready for it. And um, yeah, so I, I do believe these are very profound, but I do believe that you have to be ready to take it. You truly have to have that curiosity. So yeah, thank you for giving me this forum. Thank you. So guys, you'll find all the info on Christina on our Facebook group. Join our Facebook group, The Art of Becoming Wonder Woman, and we will put all her information about the lodge. And if you want to add some things, go ahead and post whatever you want, Christina. I'm sure they'll be happy to learn from you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye, guys. You've been listening to The Art of Becoming Wonder Women, the podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community. If you haven't yet, join our private Facebook page and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another Wonder Women conversation. Our podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any question you may have regarding a medical condition.